0: Hello listeners, Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
0: Welcome to UFOs Above Canada, a nighttime podcast series exploring the people, the events, and the concepts that surround the Canadian UFO experience. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the next installment in Nighttime's UFOs Above Canada series. In tonight's episode, I'll again be joined by my friend and famed Canadian UFO writer and researcher, Chris Rutkowski. During our conversation, Chris and I discuss some recent news related to the Canadian UFO scene. Specifically, an upcoming coin from the Royal Canadian Mint that commemorates a 1996 UFO event in Yukon. We'll discuss a recent aerial event above Cape Breton, Nova Scotia that left a lot of folks scratching their heads, and we'll share and give opinion on some UFO reports submitted to me by listeners of Nighttime over the past few weeks. So let's get into it. Chris Rutkowski. I feel, I feel like I should introduce you as Dr. Rutkowski. I know you're not a doctor, but you have like the presence of like a UFO doctor. Oh, a UFO doctor. That's a very special kind of doctor. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there any institution that could give you like an honorary degree just for like that sort of thing, for introductions and such? Well, I don't know. You could certainly buy one. I, uh, back a number of years ago, I, I bought
2: myself a uh a, 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 um mdiv or a theological degree so i'm actually a a uh, uh a minister in the universal life church or whatever it is from oh, okay i can actually perform marriages uh in california wow and and <laughs> i and i actually am a marriage commissioner in the province of manitoba so there you wow. go a marriage commissioner
0: that means you can like do marriages yeah i'm a justice of the peace. yeah i i've done i do a couple every year yeah okay um just one funny story for a j. Ju- this is my only justice of the peace joke. Is uh, my wife was talking to a friend and they were planning like uh, there were as a de- there was a destination wedding happening. So they were planning like what do we got to do so, so we can get married in Cuba or somewhere, but have yeah. it be legal in Canada. And I, I think it was my wife's friend said like all you need is a job and voila. And the, what had, what she got wrong is she's like, a job is a justice of the peace, but wallah, what is a wallah? And they were misunderstanding, you know, the saying like voila, like it's oh. done. So they were trying to figure out what a wallah was. Like a we voila. just need a justice of the peace, and job and wallah. Um, anyway, that's my justice of the peace joke. But yes, uh, long story short, um, you have the air of a UFO doctor. You know more about Canadian UFOs and UFO documents and UFO history than any sane person should. Does it freak you out sometimes? That's an interesting <laughs> qualifier there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into it. What's What's been up with you? We, you were last on the show, I think, um, maybe, maybe a month and a half ago. At mm-hmm. the time that you were last on, you were just releasing your new book, um, mm-hmm canadian ufos unclassified declassified Declassified. yeah Yeah. um you had done that and you had also released a treasure trove of ufo documents uh, Mm -hmm. onto the world yeah what have you done since then well i'm continuing to uh uh to
2: explore docs um i'm uh keeping trying to keep up with all the ufo cases that are being reported through through you um, eh? (laughs) and uh through uh you know uh, other organizations and whatnot because it's getting close to the end of the year time to uh start building the database for the uh, canadian ufo survey Mm -hmm.
0: Um, we should just for new listeners who are unfamiliar with what you're doing maybe just a, a quick um primer on what your canadian ufo survey is
2: sure well um uh, the Canadian UFO survey is a way sort of to take a snapshot of all the UFO uh, sightings have been reported in one country in one year, in this case, Canada. And we started doing this in 1989. We're in our 33rd year, I think, something like that now. That's amazing. Um, and we get, I think we're up to something like, we're close to 25,000 cases now over that period of time mm-hmm. in a database, which is, which is public, which people can look at. And every year we do an analysis to find out whether UFOs have, you know, the numbers have gone up or down or whether there's more in the East or the West and, you know, whether they're more red than green and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the number of cases actually had been going down. Uh, actually, they've shot up um, for the first year of the pandemic. So 2020, 2021, they went down quite significantly. Uh, And which is remarkable, because all you're hearing from stuff on UFO Twitter and and other from experts who say that the number of UFO reports has increased dramatically. That's simply not reflected in the numbers of reports. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're interested to find out what happens for 2022. And uh, so hopefully, you know, February, March 2023 will come out with a 2022 report. And there's around 750 to 1000 cases in Canada every year. Uh, which gives you a, an idea of the scope of the problem, and mm-hmm. uh, um, you basically multiply that by a factor of ten to figure out how much
0: is in the, uh, how many cases are in the United States. Mm-hmm. So you know there's a lot of reports out there. Yeah, and you, you had mentioned a lot of them are coming, or I guess we'll say a significant amount are coming through my website. I have a spot on my website where people can report Canadian UFO sightings. I get a whole lot of them. And as they come through, I just forward them right along to you. Mm -hmm. But what we usually don't have the opportunity to do is cover almost like breaking real-time UFO Mm -hmm. reports. This is an odd coincidence. Uh, This email, I'm not even joking, we're we're recording this at at 10 p.m. This email came through at 9.52 p.m. With someone Mm -hmm. reporting a UFO sighting. And the best part about it is is uh when someone goes to my website and reports one, they can do it with text or they can send me uh, a voice message where they describe what they saw. Mm -hmm. This uh this reporter, I don't know if that would be the right experiencer, I think is what they're saying. Experiencer. They chose to send it as both a text and audio version. So let's listen in here. This in Oddly enough, uh, it comes from one of Canada's UFO hotspots, Carp, Ontario. Carp, of all places. Yeah. Outside of Ottawa? Yeah. Yep. Here's what they have to say.
1: Hi, I was uh, out actually having a smoke, uh, looking up at the Big Dipper like I normally do, uh, and then uh, decided to stare up a uh, 90-degree angle, and, uh, yeah, of course, uh, I always have in the back of my mind, I'm looking for a UFO, um, but I understand there are tons of satellites and objects and stuff in the sky. And uh, next thing I know, I just I see this this white little ball going across the sky and I'm like, oh, it's got to be a satellite. I'm like, cool. OK, so I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, I like I pull out my phone to see if there's any satellites above me and to see which one it is. And, uh, and next thing I know, this thing ends up making like a U-shaped turn and it looked like it went straight up in the sky. And this is right above uh, Carp, Ontario, Canada, out in Ottawa, sorry, of uh, Canada. And uh, man, it was just the craziest thing. I, uh, I don't know where else to uh, report a UFO right now, but uh, I saw this place and I thought it'd be so cool to uh, send a message to you guys. That's uh, Carp, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. UFO sighting.
0: He's very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, he, he did you notice he gave kind of the qualifier? He's like Carp, Ontario, like Ottawa. I wonder if he realizes Carp's connection to UFOs. Probably not. I mean, the the
2: uh, the Carp case. Uh, um... The Guardian goes back into the 90s, so it's it's very possible he had never heard of, uh, of that
0: particular case. Yeah, I'll have to write him after and let him know. Yeah, we talked about it minutes after he sent it. And, and, and
2: you know, the, the, this is a, a good example of why I think, I mean, the Internet is great for this. This is how UFO reports should go because you can report things instantaneously to an agency or organization or someone who actually collects the reports and studies them. Um, if there was some way of, you know, finding somebody in Ottawa who could go out to this guy's, you know, home and, you know, have them pointed out, like you could be investigated in real time too, Mm -hmm. and then described, uh, in Facebook, or it could be described in some other fashion. And, you know, it'd be a way of getting the information out. Mm -hmm. And the trouble is uh, most people don't use, the technology don't use social media like that but it's exactly how it should work we're busy and arguing busy... on there
0: that's the problem yeah yeah uh well this guy he did he sounded like not your average witness though like cuz he um he described you know it, it doing odd stuff in the sky but then it sounds like he also went on his phone to try to figure out what satellite it is. Like, and I know there's software and apps and stuff you can use that will track what's in the sky, what constellations, airplanes, satellites. So it seems like he's maybe a step above what the average kind of witness would, would have done.
2: Yeah, I think I have that app on my phone too, where you hold up your phone to the sky mm-hmm. and it says, you know, that's Jupiter over there and uh, there's a satellite moving across it right now and you know, that type of thing.
0: Mm-hmm yeah interesting though. i I just love that it happened in in real time like that. we'll we'll get to as we talk here. We'll get into a few more UFO sightings as we go. but I want to start with kind of some UFO news and get your thoughts on it uh, on a few things. the The first thing that's come up when I was looking for Canadian breaking UFO stories, mm-hmm. one that seems to pop up every year is the Canadian Mint. They have a series of coins that they call um i think they call it like unsolved or like unexplained phenomena i think is the series of coins that they do one every so often that will highlight a ufo event and they did one Mm -hmm. on shag a coin on shag harbor nova scotia's sighting they did one on the falcon lake sighting a few other sightings but they just announced their latest coin in the series and it's and it's commemorating an event i had never heard of. Uh, it's in Yukon. I'm just going to read you kind of their description mm-hmm. from the uh, in the description of the coin. So what they say that from the Royal Canadian Mint is the fifth in Canada's unexplained phenomena coin tells the story of a UFO count encounter in the Yukon. On the night of December 11th, 96, at least 31 people in four different areas reported seeing a UFO in the sky. The bright lights described by the witnesses have been recreated on this rectangular coins reverse where a more complex picture of a giant UFO comes into view when the black light paint technology is in, is activated. The, reser- the reverse design by Canadian artist Neil Hamelin features the artist's rendition of the 96 UFO encounter on the Yukon's Klondike Highway near Fox Lake. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, I did a bit of Googling. This doesn't appear to be a very well-known Citing there there is some written about it a maybe a four-minute documentary i found but is that that sighting 96 in the yukon is that new to you no it's uh, actually fairly well known i'm surprised okay.
2: that uh you hadn't heard of it before um uh, uh the investigator is a fellow named martin Jasek, mm-hmm. who uh, lived up in the yukon for uh, many years and now is in uh, vancouver in bc he's part of ufo bc the group in there now um and it's a, there's a number of interesting things about this uh, about this case is that um i would say almost none of the witnesses knew each other or collaborated on this really okay in fact um it wasn't even be this occurred in 1996 and it was never part of the 1996 Canadian UFO survey um because it didn't come to light until after martin had uh, dove deep into uh this and investigated it in 1997 um and then it um it had been profiled a a few times and what it was was that uh, that night uh, a number of people were driving on um, uh, this highway that goes along uh, Fox Lake Um, and uh, there's a place called CarMax um, and uh, as you drive on the east side of the lake um the a number of people saw you know a number of lights in a row like windows on a large object uh, moving slowly and ponderously mm. down the lake over a period of several minutes um, most people simply saw a row of lights uh, and uh, but a couple of people um, in, in particular two um, cousins who were driving in separate vehicles one was about a, a kilometer and a half away from the other ahead of them. Um, The one who was behind saw, you know, ahead of him um, this row of lights um, in the sky. But the fellow who was um, ahead of him there um, stopped his car and watched as a circular object Mm. with lights around it passed Mm. directly over his car heading out across the mountains. Now he was the only, and what's interesting is you get two witnesses separated by a couple, you know, mile and a half or so, kilometer and a half or something, and one was looking this way, and the other one was looking up. So you have a you know a good sense of this, um, and uh, I think there was one other witness uh, who reported, you know, saying that he could actually see a physical object. Everybody else just saw the lights. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, um, there was an entire family. Uh, who saw this object, uh, or whatever it was, passing overhead? And there's a whole bunch of like a kids, and the kids looked up and they called their parents to it and they said, "Look, it's Santa Claus and his reindeer," because that's what it looked like. It looked like you know this this series of lights with one big one and a bunch of little ones uh, trailing it. Now the problem is um, that well, a couple of, not problem, but the, what's interesting is that they didn't. Go public with this. One person went public uh, on a radio station sometime later, just to say, "Hey, I saw something in the sky." Martin heard about this. He tracked that person down and then did what we call a um, a dig, where he went from town to town to town along this highway, quite a long distance, hmm. just popping at gas stations and bars and saying, "Hey, do you anybody hear anything?" And this one place is Braeburn Lodge, which is profiled in that little video clip. Yeah. Um, The guy says, yeah, people come in here all the time. And, you know, we talked about it. And then more people came in and the stories all matched. Mm, So there's no question something happened that night. Um, And um, although it says 31 witnesses, Martin was telling me that uh, um, I think he at one point said 35. And then he continued digging and he found like 40 uh, in total or. Something so tremendous number of witnesses who never got in touch with each other. The interesting. Oh, so, there's no question. It's certainly not a hoax.
0: It, it kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of the story of the Phoenix Lights in in no. the United States, where just a, a large group of people see the same thing, maybe from different angles and slightly different perspective. But it's it's stories like that that I find truly compelling. And Shag Harbor has a bit of that as well, where so, so many people saw something that I think you're left not with the question of like did it happen or didn't it happen because something clearly happened if you have this many witnesses but then it begs the question what you know what could it have been
2: well turns out that there is a fellow um, named oh I can't remember his first name last name is Molzan Um, he's uh, uh, an an astronomer and uh, he's interested in tracking satellites Mm and so he found that the timing and location of this ufo in yukon matched exactly the entry of a russian uh, booster rocket oh okay and um i mean and and you couldn't have both the ufo and this rocket in the sky if you you know they were both the same thing it's a busy night for, in the sky well except for this guy who saw who was underneath it and saw a round thing which is not what what would be explained mm-hmm. in that manner so um i would say that um you know most people especially the one like for example the one of the kids who saw santa claus you know that you know obviously you can just imagine this long string of lights and mm-hmm. that type of thing um there's no question that most of the observations would have been of this booster for sure the outliers like the this is these two cousins is a bit odd and one would have to stretch the imagination a bit to think that there is a ufo at exactly the same time and spot as a booster rocket coming in but it does it, it's fascinating and you know there's no question it's one of the better documented cases yeah. uh, a number of witnesses and you know, again they were not uh collaborating in any way so there's some there's a few mysteries
0: associated with it, but it is interesting. But if if you were an alien flying a UFO, flying a UFO spaceship-style UFO, and you wanted to avoid detection, wouldn't it be smart to kind of be like, you know, the Russians are dropping this? Poster. Oh, those Let's, Russians! Yeah, I'm just gonna sneak in with it. They'll
2: <laughs> sneak in there; they'll <laughs> never find us.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's a fascinating story, and it's uh, again, I, I like even in searching, I couldn't find a whole lot written about it, but I, I think. Um, I've never been to the Yukon, but I can imagine that their skies are a lot darker than what I have here in Halifax or what you have there near Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. Um, if something like you know boosters or what or a satellite or whatever passes through the sky, I imagine just due to the nature of how far everyone is spread out out there, you know, a lot more people, like it would be a lot, it'd be very visible and more vibrant for a lot of people.
2: Absolutely. Uh, no question. And the, further to the coin, uh, this was the fifth coin, as they mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was um, Falcon Lake, Shag Harbor, Montreal, uh, Montreal, um, Clarenville, Clarenville, Newfoundland, and this one um i can't tell you what the next one is because i signed an nda oh uh, oh you're involved in this. There's, of course there's another there's. one coming that's going to be really spectacular um and uh there's plans already afoot for the next one after that so, oh my goodness of course you're involved
0: you got your fingers in everything
2: <laughs> yeah they they actually sent me uh the, the mock-ups to to say does this look right and all that sort of stuff so, wow okay well yeah. interesting Speaking of government documents, though, and government, yeah. Uh, see, I, you know, I did release those those documents, and I have to say, there's a there's a, a couple of little issues there because um, how I got these this 168 documents, which I think is the one we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, was a little bit strange. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what happened is that I got a I got a, a package in the mail to me. Okay. Uh, from National Defense. Oh, okay. And inside that package was a smaller package (laughs) from National Defense. And inside this package was a CD. Oh, man. Um, And what's interesting, the letter that accompanied it said, uh, you know, in, in response to the request that you filed for some documents, you know, We send you this this CD. And uh, I had requested documents from I think,
0: 2021. Mm -hmm. All these documents are from 2010 to 2020. So first, how when you like, I I would not know how to reach out to the Department of National Defense to request UFO documents. Mm -hmm. How do you reach out to them? What did you do?
2: um it's it's called an access to information uh, mm-hmm. uh request and it's through the you, you can the, get it to the it foipop kind of thing uh, library uh, and archives canada mm-hmm. uh, online and um you you have to be very very specific as to what uh what you're looking for mm-hmm. um as a matter of fact um there's a list of uh, all the requests that have been made and what they produced and mm-hmm. some got zero and some got you know thousands of pages and somebody actually filed for the this particular case in the Yukon, and they got zero uh, files hmm. uh, because it was never investigated by National Defense, as I understand it. Okay, um, but um, you know they should have had something because you know you'd think if uh, National Defense was investigating UFOs. But I, because I didn't ask for these, this document I'm showing up on a CD of all things—like, what is this, 1992?
0: Well, that's the thing when you re- when you hear of people getting like a FOIPOP request, it's generally like scanned documents by email or or a package in the mail with a bunch of sheets. To get a CD just seems oddly like personal.
2: Yeah, it's it's very strange, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, there, there's a fellow named Daniel Otis who uh, is a CTV reporter, hmm. uh, and he used to write for um, Vice, Vice, and things like that. And he's really good at his, uh, you know, at pro, um, you know, talking about UFOs and getting the word out about UFOs. And I had mentioned this to him that I got these, and he said, yeah, I got those too. I'm waiting for something else uh, before I write my story." And I thought, "Oh, okay, that's interesting." But I thought, you know, it's very interesting that that I got this disc. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm gonna make it available, all the documents available. So I put the the documents up, uh, made a deal with John Greenwood and he put them up there. Um, And uh, Daniel uh, Otis was a little, he was disappointed that I did that. I guess he wanted to break the story himself, Mm -hmm. but he was waiting for more information. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm waiting to see a story because you can still do a story about this. Um, And, But you know, getting these documents, a lot of people who are filing documents all the time. And I'm puzzled as to why I got a a CD of documents from 2010 to 2020, when I had requested documents from 2021. And it just it, you know, it doesn't make yeah,
0: sense. and what I know about the FOIA and access to information system, like you said, is you need to be very specific. Very like I'm specific. looking for exactly this, and if it matches with a record, they'll send it to you. It's not the kind of system where they're going to try to be like, eh, that's not what he wants," but it's kind of in the ballpark. So let's send him. Yeah, exactly. Yes, uh, that's not really how it works. So are, so are I'm you? Looking,
2: see- I'm looking forward to what Dan Otis, uh, you know, writes his article because you know we, there's a lot more. Uh, in st- stuff out there. And a lot of wh- these documents that I had received were actually heavily redacted. Mm-hmm, of um, course. And so I, I suspect he's probably refiled and got some more information. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. He's, he, like I say, he's a really good journalist and mm-hmm. focusing on this.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure what he will do is. Curate it and tell the story where what you've done in essence is just got it and did a, a data dump almost for people to go through and see what's in there, right? Like yeah, You haven't I've done been, any.
2: You know, a lot of people who complain, how come we don't see all your collection of documents, Chris? Well, most of them are in archives already. And mm-hmm. it just happens that, you know, I've scanned some in and this one was already
0: pre-scanned for me. So. Yeah, nice. Uh So what's it? What's it? You get. 2010 to 2020 ish what what do you find in there i'm sure you've went through a lot of it anything any like gold nuggets
2: no there aren't really a lot of gold nuggets Uh, that's the problem out of 168 pages there were 33 or 34 cases uh separate and of those it was basically at this on this date at a certain time um censored saw an object and uh you know, it was it moved in this manner over the town of Censored, you know, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Mm. And uh, it, it,
0: it seems like an odd uh, like the, the redactions in a UFO report are interesting because mm-hmm. what what it, I can understand if, if your FOIPOP or access to information request would contain personal information about. I don't know someone's uh, home address phone number driver's license number you know these sorts of things I can understand that stuff but you would think a UFO report is generally like I could understand them uh, redacting the name of who's reporting or the pilot but generally it's going to be like you know directions and places and you know flight numbers and stuff would it not be
2: yes although these were not just UFO reports these were um, logs from Air Force bases, from okay. our Canadian Canadian Forces bases. Um, so it was, you know, at, at 110 redacted, at 115 redacted, at 120, somebody reported a UFO, 125 okay.
0: redacted. I got you. You know,
2: that type of thing. And
0: for 125, like we bombed this other yeah, <laughs> building. Yeah. 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 yeah, I get that. Um, well, that's interesting, but for people who want to take the time to peruse these newly re- released but heavily redacted documents you said you pass them along to john Dr- john greenwald who Grilla, is yeah, Gre- yeah. the black vault the black vault yeah is his website yeah yeah and he's got i don't know
2: i think he is it over a million documents now i, I would
0: say if, if you were like i'm going to go through his website you could live a full life of going through his website without having seen <laughs> it all and you would die like a full life yeah.
2: Yeah. He, he does an amazing job. He's he files stuff. There were and I've been working on other documents like I'm working to fill in things from before the year 2000, for example. And I found some interesting ones uh, where somebody's actually uh, one of the people in the Canadian government was complaining about uh, somebody who was... Uh, Uh, being annoying because he was filing so many access to information requests it was causing him headaches and work and things like that so
0: you know it's well the the, irony is like they they, whatever government person was making that complaint like this stuff's going to show up on a FOIA request (laughs) exactly um you want to get
2: to some ufo cases
0: I want to get to one or two more pieces of news. Uh, okay, sure. One thing I don't know if you heard this, but there's there's an article going around about um, when we talked last, we had talked about the Shag Harbour UFO festival was mm-hmm. happening in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, at the beginning of this month, October, beginning of October. Um, Chris Stiles, who is kind seen as like the lead researcher in the Shag Harbor case, mm-hmm. uh, he gave a presentation that I think surprised a lot of people, where he spoke about Shag Harbor, but he also spoke a lot about an, uh, a UFO event that happened in Shelburne, which is right next to Shag Harbor, seven years prior. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I take Chris Stiles' work seriously, and mm-hmm. he, he makes this sound as if he's onto something hot. According to him, Uh, in, in the presentation he gave, he had several, I would say governments, Department of National Defense insiders tell him that it was at the point that divers were finding bodies. Aliens. Uh, extra tra- yeah. I, I, I was going to maybe make it sound more intelligent with extraterrestrials, but no, the words he used were there were aliens in the water. Aliens in the water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and of course that made the news. There's an article getting shared uh, far and wide. And I think the headline of the article is even like there are aliens or there were aliens in yeah. the water. Yeah. So it's quite a salacious uh, and extravagant claim. What do you, what do you make of this?
2: yeah i mean i don't know much about it i mean uh, this is chris styles's baby um uh I, I find it a little difficult to to believe i mean we're talking if it happened in 1960 we're talking more than 60 years ago now mm-hmm.
1: um
2: and uh, you know even if you have a whistleblower coming forward that's a long long time
0: yeah uh to, it, to
2: come forward with some details like that
0: but in this whole idea like for someone who doesn't closely follow the UFO research and, you know, in the stories that surround the UFO space, the idea of like these cases happening back in the sixties or seventies, but new people kind of coming out of the woodwork now, like with these deathbed confessions, mm-hmm. like with the major cases such as Roswell, That that's not like this far out idea that someone will come forward, you know, 50 years later. It's just, sure. it's just with the claim that there were aliens in the water. That's a pretty, yeah it is
2: it's kind of cool you know
0: i love Um, the idea of it yeah and
2: you know and again like you said you know i i know chris styles and i know he does a a pretty good job Um, whether somebody was yanking his chain or you know he actually has some uh, some details um, it would be interesting you know to to try and pursue it further I mean I can't imagine that there's any paper trail or any way of verifying this yeah it's an interesting story I've heard crazier stories you know this is about tame compared to some of the stuff that <laughs> that comes to me all the time
0: uh, um, one other uh, news kind of item I want to um bounce off. you. actually, you had wrote me about this where that you had seen a post going around about a UFO sighting or some kind of aerial object object in the sky that was visible above Sydney, Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. Um, I, I remember you had wrote me about it a week or so ago. But I don't know if you know, there was a um, I think a, a salt wire like newspaper article. Oh, wire, yeah. I'm just going to read a paragraph or two. Sure. of it, And yeah. we can talk about it. So the article an abbreviated version of the article would say, Erin Jean Hardy was sitting in her backyard Tuesday night when, when at precisely 8 p.m. a brilliant flash briefly lit up the sky. It was so bright. It was super bright, said the Ashby resident. All of the neighborhood dogs started barking. It was really bizarre. I was expecting to hear a thunder roll afterwards, but there was just nothing. Hardy immediately messaged a friend who lives in Westmount, across from the Sydney Harbour. She didn't see the flash, but said her dog started barking at the exact same time. A member of the Facebook group UFO Sightings in Nova Scotia, Hardy, posted about her experience and people from far away as Yarmouth commented that they had also seen the bright light. I had about 40 people say they saw the same thing too, she said. However, while what she saw originated in, this, in space, it was not unidentified. Robert Thacker, an astronomer and professor in the Department of Astronomy and Physics at St. Mary's University in Halifax, says he's certain that what Hardy saw was an unusually bright meteor, also known as a fireball, burning up as it enters the Earth's atmosphere. Thacker said we're in the midst of the annual Orionids meteor shower, shower, which takes place as Earth passes through the debris field left behind by Halley's Comet. Mm-hmm. This year the shower takes place from September 26th to November 22nd and peaks today and Saturday. Halley's comet is expected to make its next appearance in 2061. So yeah. uh for one you would have been involved in the UFO phenomenon when Halley's comet passed. That was a, an exciting time, right?
2: Yeah, I mean I saw it. Um, yeah. it was uh it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a comet, "Hail Bop, as well. Uh, you can Google that one.
0: Hail Bop uh, is was the one that the cult got yeah. involved. Yeah, I, I actually, I told you before we started recording, I listened to a, the Coast to Coast, an old radio show. And I often will go back and listen to episodes that were recorded during kind of big moments in time. And I went back and I listened to uh, maybe the... 20 or so episodes leading up to the Hale bop comet because that was something they covered closely there was a lot of ideas that or a lot of kind of speculation that there was a ufo hiding behind the comet mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I got i listened to that in real time but uh but yeah anyway yeah um i mean back in the 70s and 80s i was heavily
2: involved in astronomy i was president of the royal astronomical society's winnipeg uh, branch um and you know we did star parties and you know looked uh, at comets and nebula and and everything you can imagine Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a lot of fun and yeah you know um so getting reports of fireballs and uh uh and and astronomers actually call them bolides uh Mm -hmm. that uh you know last for you know five seconds or so and are really really bright and trail sparks and things like that uh they're they're really beautiful and they do generate a lot of um a lot of reports these days uh, a lot of people have all sky cameras uh, or, or not necessarily all sky cameras, but they, you know, uh, uh, cams on buildings and uh, uh, you know on roadways and and in their cars and taxis and whatever. So we get a lot of recordings of video uh, now of uh, fireballs and bolides zipping through the sky. They're very very common, but at one time they were not. And it's just you
3: know,
2: to think that we have the ability to to catch so many now. It's it's mm-hmm. quite remarkable.
0: When, when you hear um robert thacker's uh opinion on what she saw with that bright flash the, are, does that make sense to you that it would have oh, been uh, a bullet absolutely yeah uh, seen by i mean when you get reports from so many people sort of like
2: you know yukon uh you know you know something occurred mm-hmm. um and because we're in the middle of the orionids and the length of time that it was seen and they're typically a bright flash um, uh it's it's very very likely that what was seen was uh
0: was this fireball piece of piece of helde's comet a bolide or comet or whatever comes into the atmosphere you will see the the light in the sky on a clear night but would would there be a sound that dogs would pick up like is it do you think like if that is what happened is it just a coincidence that dogs were barking at the same time or would they hear something
2: it's interesting that you say that because there's an entire a uh, sub subgroup and discussion about whether uh, meteors make sounds
1: mm-hmm.
3: we
2: do know that you can listen in on uh, on radio if you tune your radio to static um during a meteor shower you can actually hear them v- v- really um from meteors um and the but can you actually hear sounds and of course you have to th- realize that these things are I don't know, 100 kilometers up more than that, you know, more than that. But of course, uh, and, dogs hear at a different frequency. Well, the they, whole dog do, they do, but that's a long way for things to to propagate. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, there are instances where people say that they had actually heard sounds of the meteors themselves. Um, and, if, you know, for some of the larger ones that do make it down to Earth, it does make sense that, uh, you know, you'd be able to hear some sort of sound. Um, But there's a whole whole, big, huge discussion in science and meteoritics about whether meteors make sounds or not. So uh, it's possible that animals might have uh, detected that, or it just could be that, you know, the dog's freaking
0: out. (laughs) Dogs freak out. That's what the dogs do. And it only takes one dog to bark, and then all the dogs in the neighborhood start to bark. So, God knows. you requested it before we got into that uh, you want to hear some UFO reports I I, sure. I have a collection all of these came through my website mm-hmm. um, I have them in no particular order they're from across the country the earliest is from 99 but they go right up to a couple days ago mm-hmm. uh, I want to start with maybe we'll start with something that's a bit more out there than the others yeah. this one takes place in the skies above Cape Breton and Halifax The date of this sighting is October 4th at 11 p.m. I seen my second alien. I seen I'm not going to correct the grammar. I'm going to read it as they wrote it. Seen my second alien craft the other evening. My first experience was midday as I watched Obama's jet in the sky coming back from Europe. It was followed by a huge cigar shaped shiny silver craft that went into a cloud but but never came out, which left the illusion. Did I really see it? But my fishing buddy also saw it. The very next day, traveling on a very dark back road, I was scanned by twelve white tiny lights that enter my truck. That after that enter my truck. That after several seconds flew into the side mirror on the passenger side, then sipped up. I shut my truck off and stepped out onto the road to listen for 10 to 15 minutes and heard nothing. Unfortunately, we were expecting a storm that night. Therefore, the clouds were thick and dark with a very low ceiling. So that's a bit intense.
2: There's, okay, yeah, and I I'm, I, I, didn't um, Google to find out what the heck this thing was about Obama, whether there was some news about him flying. Like, it, did this, it wasn't completely clear whether this happened like October 4th, or because it says the yeah. very next
0: night, yeah. Because they're talking about t- two days. Um, the first day is when they see, I don't know, yeah, it the whole the thing with Obama is,
2: I don't know what, what other evening it is, right? So,
0: yeah, but I think this is, I guess, the flaw in getting a written report and not being able to ask additional questions. Like this person, you would need a pen and paper in front of you, and you'd be like, okay, so let's start at the beginning here. Yeah, yeah. It, it needs
2: investigation is what I have to say, you know, to, I need more information. Yeah. But it's, you know, the, the thing, the silver craft that went into a cloud, I mean, it could have been another plane that just happened to go into a cloud, and you didn't see the wings on it, because of the distance, or the sunlight, or something like that. But the weird thing about these these lights that Going came the into his truck, and then entered the side mirror, and then zipped away, I mean, that's not
0: you know you'd have to come up with something you know a little unusual for that yeah there's something there's something really strange going on with this the, one, but, yeah, you, but it a is a unique. it it is a disorganized kind of uh, narrative to follow uh, it right is now.
2: but there, there's some elements there that I, I couldn't explain if that was you know reported if, if it happened as reported i have no idea what that was okay let's see if you can solve
0: the next one let's go to Mackenzie, British Columbia? You ever hear of Mackenzie? No, I don't know where Mackenzie okay. is. This is October 13th of this year, around 8 p.m. So, my wife, my daughter, and I were out on our back deck letting our six year old use the telescope for the first time while I was setting it up, or letting my six year old use the telescope for the first time. While I was setting it up, my wife saw something that caught her eye. She pointed it out, and when I looked up, I saw a large ship shaped like a w on the front and the back was around it it had some sort of cloak on it but you could see but you could still make out a line my wife and kid said they heard a noise coming from the ship as well i don't know and did he see it through or i'm assuming it's a he did they see it through the telescope because they they are talking about they have a telescope there but it seems like his wife notices something yeah i think
2: this was seen without the telescope so I have no idea what that was. So the telescope Uh, was a red herring in this whole story. Yeah, yeah. good for them to have a telescope, for (laughs) one thing, to appreciate the night sky. Even the description of a W in front and and round on the back, like, uh, is that like like a Romulan warbird or something? I don't.
0: Yeah, and I guess what direction, like, if you were to describe something as the shape of a W, and then you're talking about the back, like, what angle are you looking at the W? I couldn't imagine something having that shape, like a W coming straight towards you, just mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a very aerodynamic shape. And it goes back to investigation,
2: and that's one of the biggest problems with ufology today. Is that you get these cases and people are reporting things, but you don't have enough information for actually investigating. Um, and um, you know, people are are content just to either report things or say that you know they heard from some UFO expert that you know aliens are, are all green or purple or something, or that uh, they're they're coming to interfere with the election or something like that. And they and people are going, wow, that's amazing information. And just wait till NASA investigates it. But the fundamental reports themselves are not investigated. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can you arrive at any conclusion whatsoever? And so you know when you hear about NASA, you know starting this this study. And now, Na- by the way, NASA is not investigating UFOs or UAPs.
0: Yeah, I've seen so that in the news. What are what are they doing? They're actually
2: they formed a committee. To look into um, and come up with a way that the nasa technology and scientists could study ufo data so they're not actually going to look for ufos Um, they're going to try and figure out you know what's the best way of investigating or how should they go about investigating or studying ufo data
0: so that's Mm. that's very different yeah that's a very that's a big debt that's spinning the wheels rather than going for a drive
2: yeah I suppose so yeah I mean there's in Canada alone we have 25,000 so there's you know hundreds of thousands of cases uh, on record but that's not that's not data necessarily to them Mm. so it'll be interesting to see what happens Mm.
0: Uh, let's move to Calgary Alberta October 16th no it snowed there I don't want to move there Uh, let's let's move the discussion from (laughs) our from our heated homes okay to Calgary, Alberta, October 16th.
3: I live in Calgary. It's October 16th. It's now 6:28, but at around 6:15, I seen at least 40 lights which were pretty far away and they were in they were consistent of coming into the airspace at the same time one after another about at least a second apart and there were some spaces in between but it seemed like maybe the lights weren't down far enough or something but there had to have been at least 40 of them at least 40 of them it was non-stop even more maybe because it it went on for at least five minutes I'm not sure if they were a second apart or a couple seconds but It was nonstop and they would come into the view and then you'd watch them for as long as you can and they would just disappear. But they were consistent of one right after the other in the same row. Wondering if anybody else seen this in Calgary.
0: Yeah, I wonder if you're thinking what I'm thinking. My my first step of uh, analysis there would be to see if Starlink would have had a launch around then. Is that what you're thinking? Not even a launch, because uh, sometimes even several days
2: after the launch, some of the satellite trains, or I guess they're calling them constellations, are still, you know, uh, not bunched together, but they're still following the same orbit relatively. Mm -hmm. So it does sound like Starlink. And in terms of 40, um,
0: the typical Starlink launch has about 50 okay well that's so, um, if, if i looked at 40 lights and 50 lights i don't know if i'd know the difference
2: yeah yeah so it probably was starlink no
0: question of that um, it's it strange if you don't know what you're looking at certainly um but with this guy i'm just thinking if, if he's in calgary starlink you know uh the second or third day after the launch they would be, they would be getting dimmer and dimmer as they move further and further away would calgary not have a kind of a bright sky like i'm just thinking it would need to be a pretty fresh launch for you to for it to be visible in the skies above calgary
2: well it's hard to tell where in calgary he was too. yeah and i guess
0: calgary downtown yeah. versus you know
2: yeah. yeah no they're pretty bright i mean uh i've seen the number of the starlink uh trains uh, here i'm well actually i'm not in winnipeg but i've, I've been in winnipeg and, and somebody's pointed them out to me so uh yeah i think there's probably one starlink and um, they're launching them more frequently, and it's it's going to be interesting to to see uh, you know what happens when they do get up to their ten thousand number.
0: Hmm. Uh, let's move on to another one. Let's see. Let's go to oh, actually, this is a we'll call it a historic report. Somebody okay. uh, from Labrador, which I, I, I suck at geography. I know it's like I think Newfoundland and Labrador is the same thing. Labrador is like a section of Newfoundland. No, it's, it's, it's across the St. Lawrence. Okay. I should know that. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like my backyard. It's, <laughs> it's it's yeah. It faces Greenland. So. Okay. Well, whatever Labrador is that in 1999, at some point between eight and 9 PM during the year 1999, this happens, it was a winter night. I was on the way home from my cabin, my cousin, Glenn, and I, we were driving a Skidoo home on a Skidoo trail next to the base near the runway. Something was hovering above us, not directly, but maybe a hundred meters away. It wasn't making any noise and it was big. It wasn't a helicopter or anything like that. It just hovered in one spot. It looked like the Thunderbird two from the cartoon series. I know what I saw and I know it wasn't human. Let's see.
2: Thunderbird one was the rocket. Thunderbird two was, I guess the big green one, I guess. I don't, Thunderbird is before my
0: time. Yeah. Thunderbird 2
2: yeah Thunderbird was the big guppy shaped one okay
0: the Thunderbird 2 looks like if if a flying saucer had a baby with like a military cargo plane or something yeah yeah big green green thing like okay a big guppy. yeah yeah it, it, it like it looks like a poorly drawn flying saucer I guess is yeah, yeah. Way to put it um, so I, I know it's a, something like this where they can't even narrow down like a you know a date and stuff and we're talking about 20 something years ago what could what could that be do you have any idea uh no uh, although i
2: uh, there have been some very interesting cases in uh in labrador um uh there's a classic case it's what, 1995 one of the documents that i scanned myself um from uh uh, uh, uh which is on the eastern coast um people are driving on their snowmobiles and they came across this they saw this light and it came closer to them and the engines on their their snowmobiles died as this thing came by and things like that so uh, and it was shaped like a like a triangle I think yeah Um,
0: so there have been some very interesting cases uh, that came out of Labrador yeah again like Yukon Labrador would have a dark sky and I just feel like that's that's when I consider like UFO country I'm thinking somewhere like like a cornfield in the middle of Labrador or something where it's just the sky is perfectly dark and it would be so nice to go sky watching there. That's one thing about living in Halifax and I live close enough to downtown that the sky is just this like yellowy fog is what the sky looks like <laughs> at night. When I go home to Cape Breton where I'm from, it's like, you know, you can see all the stars and the constellations and it's just, it's just such a difference. Um, but let me tell you about something that isn't in the sky above Halifax or Cape Breton. This one is in Hamilton, okay. October 22nd. So three days back about okay. ten about 1025 PM here's what they say. I saw a rectangle shaped aircraft. It was very long or fairly long. It was fairly long. And on each side, there were big circles of light. They were very dull lights, similar to light coming from a window rather than a light on the outside of the aircraft. It was making no sound at all, and it was moving very quickly. If I hadn't looked up at that precise moment, I wouldn't even have noticed it. Uh, I wouldn't even have noticed it. That is how dark the aircraft was, and it almost blended in with the night sky. So the way the way I'm picturing this in my head is almost like a very quick-moving very quick aircraft with very dim lights inside of it. So it's almost like maybe they saw something between, like, almost like a shadow with a little bit of a glow coming through windows. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting one. That It is interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean,
2: Hamilton, you know, again, that's, it's a fairly populated area. So um, one would think that there would be a lot of aircraft flying around there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would be possible to look uh, if you had a subscription to flight aware or one of those airplane tracking things to, to, you know look at what was in the sky at that time in that area and see if you can match it to any particular plane so it's possible but you know again the description is a
0: little strange rectangular with round window like things that are glowing hmm um, and, and, and dimly glowing almost dimly like it almost like there's a candles lit inside it is how I'm picturing it yeah. but it's um whatever they saw it was comp- it was uh, it moved them enough to seek out a way to report it, so it's mm-hmm. like it, it kind of makes me think you know, they, they do see so these people who take the time to write this and send it in like they see something.
2: I've, I mean, I, I've i had um, uh, somebody give me an oil painting of what they saw, really. He actually, took the time, he saw it, he was driving along the Trans Canada Highway uh, on the prairie, um, and saw this light that was coming across the highway in front of him. And so he, he stopped his car, and he watched, and um, it was late at night, and he, as the light got over the Trans-Canada Highway, which had some, you know, street, not street lights but lamps on it, mm-hmm. um, it illuminated, and he could see this sort of cigar-shaped thing, dark, with lights on either end, slowly move over the highway, and then move over into a field Um, beside him and he was just looked out over the field and watched this this object move off uh, across the field into the distance and he said he you know he couldn't sleep when he got home he happened to be a you know just a a hobby painter he had a canvas that was all blank and set up so at like three in the morning he painted wow uh what he saw that's how you do it he gave me a copy of it.
0: So if you don't have a camera, there's no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, has there been any UK, any UFO reports you came across in the last month or two? Like I know pretty much anything seen in the sky finds its way across your desk. Is there anything you you um, any reports you've received lately that you found especially compelling? Um, I, mean, I would say nothing really spectacular. I mean, I get
2: some cases coming directly to us. Uh, to uh, the Canadian UFO, UFO survey, to ufology research, um, we are scanning Facebook. So not only uh, UFOs above Canada, but also UFO um, New Brunswick, uh, PEI UFO, UFOs in Nova Scotia. Um, people are always posting stuff that they've seen to them. A lot of people are taking photographs and just posting them and saying, "Hey, this is this is really amazing." Uh, I saw this last night and people are saying, wow, this is fantastic. And it's like, you know, a little dot or something. Yeah, like Yeah, uh, uh,
0: you know. I appreciate the effort, but I find like there's nothing you there's no photo of something from the sky that you can put on Facebook that won't leave people. A group of people saying like it's absolutely aliens and they're it's, involved with the government. And this is yeah, proof. Yeah. And then there will be someone saying, like, you're such an idiot. I'm leaving this group.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, ah. Yeah. yeah, and yet
2: th- when you think about it, that's still the best way to report because you share it with so many people. It's a personal, ex- you know, experience that you're giving of yourself. I mean, some people believe that you know these dots in the sky are, are alien craft, and mm-hmm. you know, there's I think there's one person who posts literally every night of of stuff that they're seeing, and they're convinced that they're seeing things every night. Um, I mean, far be it for me to say no, you're not seeing alien craft every night. But they're taking the trouble to do it, and uh, it does skew our <laughs> UFO data every year a little bit. Yeah, we have um, a
0: ton of sightings on this street. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um,
2: but at the same time, you know it's uh, I don't want to dissuade
0: that because there are other
2: people who would say, well, he reported it. And I think I'll report what I saw too. Mm-hmm. So um it's it, it's it's a problem in ufology. Uh, especially if there's no physical way to investigate. Mm-hmm. I mean, the ideal thing would be to go out to this guy's place. And as soon as he says, there it is, you look up and you say, no, that's Jupiter or whatever it is. And, yeah, you see you tomorrow
0: night. See you
2: tomorrow <laughs> night. Um, but um, so you can't do that. But at the same time, you know, there are unusual things up in the sky. I mean, there mm-hmm. have been cases where, you know, there have been um, drone flights that, uh, that are unaccounted for, uh, where people have reported seeing... Uh, you know, things where there were no flights of, of aircraft that mm-hmm. night and things like that. So, you know, there are certainly uh, some good reasons to to gather that type of information. And it shows you the difficulty that NASA or the Galileo Project or MUFON or whoever have in investigating uh, UFO reports. The data itself um, is, is all over the place and uh, it takes a lot of patience to sift through it all certainly
0: and i think that's why the work that you do and have been doing for 30ish years is so important is it's just you're doing and you're doing passionately what the government or any of these defense departments aren't doing and probably don't have any interest in doing and to get someone to do it for free and passionately and curate, you know, 30 years of Canadian UFO history is pretty amazing. Well, yeah, I am crazy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I've said it multiple uh, times. That was a way of saying it. Um,
2: <laughs> and, but it's not just me. There's other individuals who are doing some uh, amazing work out there. I mean, you, uh, we, we mentioned, uh, you know, Dan Otis, um, uh, uh, you know, and Chris Stiles and, you uh, You know, some of the MUFON investigators, there's new MUFON investigators have just started up over the past uh, couple of months. Uh, Mm. I've already started hearing from Uh, Brian Vike, by the way, uh, who's a BC investigator, uh, used to run uh, uh, Houston, BC uh, UFOs, and he had a a website for the longest time that still is sort of semi-active. He's just uh, announced that he's no longer into ufology, Uh, for some personal reasons. So uh, uh, I don't know if Brian's going to see this or not, but uh, we wish you well, Brian, and I hope you're hanging in there and taking care of some some things. Um, But, you know, there's individuals in Quebec, there's a, a number of UFO groups Uh, that are active in investigating uh, cases. And uh, because of the language barrier, a lot of people in English Canada don't know about those. Mm -hmm. So there are a number of individuals who are doing this, not just me, and by gathering the information from all the active researchers, we produce the Canadian UFO survey, which allows us to get a good sense of what Canadians, at least in one country in the world, are actually seeing. Mm And, well, and certainly the people like you who are helping us in this and doing the good job by promoting it and, and
0: getting the word out through your uh, through your videos. Awesome. Well, I think this is a good note to end it on. Um, just one last thing, actually, you say the report you expect, or the next report, 2022's results, probably like March is when we would Something expect. Something like that. It takes a while to enter it all into the okay. into the database and then do some crunching. Jeff
2: Dittman still helps with the crunching in that sense in terms of stats. Okay. Okay. Um,
0: so yeah, it, it's it, we'll we'll see what what's out there. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk again before then. Once we get another collection of reports, we'll do another one of these and uh, keep uh, take some of the mystery out of the sky and maybe left bewildered by some of the other mysteries up there.
2: Well, and I will note that uh, I don't know when people are viewing this, but uh, uh, as far as we know, uh, October twenty. What's today? It's the 5th, the 25th, twenty fifth. Yeah. 28th, I guess. Um, The UAP task force in the States was thought to be releasing its uh, unclassified report Mm. on what they found out. Uh, They have a deadline of uh, October 31st, but people think they're going to release it on the 28th. 28th is just this Friday, the day this this episode will come out.
3: That's right. Yeah.
2: So maybe there'll be some breaking news that will,
0: you know, really boost everything. We'll have to jump back on. All right. Well, Chris, I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and expertise and time with us tonight.
2: And thank you, and uh,
1: keep looking up.
0: I want to thank you for joining Chris Rutkowski and I for our discussion. But before we part here, I'm going to give some thanks. A big thanks to Chris for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. Shout out to Monty Data, who contributes to the music for this episode. But most importantly, I have a massive thank you to everyone who listens to nighttime, as without your interest and your support, nighttime would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you listen on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed, as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full back catalog of episodes only on the premium feed. So, for about the price of a cup of coffee, help keep the show alive at Patreon.com/nighttimepodcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers: Emily, Forrest, K.E., and Tracy. if you are going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it financially, you can give me a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or if you'd like to contribute a voice memo to be aired in an upcoming episode, you can do all that more at nighttimepodcast.com. And I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, Let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.